Hello and welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast for Friday, March 20th. I'm Caroline Gonzalez, your host yet again for the Corona edition of the New Orleans Saints podcast as we continue to work from home and practice social distancing. On today's show, we have a great guest for you. We have Benjamin Watson, who he is a former New Orleans Saints. He announced his retirement from the NFL earlier this week. He spent 2013 through 2015 with the Saints and then the 2018 season before announcing his retirement. And then after that season, he announced that he was coming out of retirement and he joined the the New England Patriots. And then finally this year, he announced his retirement once again from football. But his interview will be available on NewOrleansSaints.com later today. That is a, a Zoom interview that I did with him. Uh, it's kind of wonky. That's our first time attempting a, a video conference interview. So some trouble there as we work out the kinks of working remote. But uh, we'll get into our interview later today. But first, I wanted to get into all of the things happening in free agency, especially in the NFC South. But let's go ahead and get into the Saints first. The Saints agreed to terms with long snapper Zach Wood on a four-year contract. They also agreed to terms with safety Malcolm Jenkins, who spent his last six seasons with the Philadelphia Eagles, excuse me, where he did win a Super Bowl. Uh, but he'll return to the Saints, where he was the Saints' first-round draft pick and won a Super Bowl for New Orleans in 2009. And finally, the Saints signed defensive tackle David Onyemata on a three-year contract. We'll have much more free agency news going out throughout the day, so you want to make sure you stay up to date on NewOrleansSaints.com and the Saints app. And And of course, follow at Saints on social media. I won't cover all of the news in the NFC South, but the biggest headlines, in my humble opinion, are that Tom Brady is going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Teddy Bridgewater will supposedly be leaving the Saints to sign with the Carolina Panthers. And Todd Gurley, running back for the Rams previously, was released from the Rams yesterday and is reported to sign with the Atlanta Falcons. So the NFC South is shaping up to be rather interesting this year. All right, let's go ahead and get into our interview with former Saints tight end Benjamin Watson. All right, Caroline Gonzalez here with Benjamin Watson, former New Orleans Saints here on NewOrleansSaints.com. After he announces his retirement earlier this week, after 16 years in the NFL, I do have to give a little spoiler alert. We, uh, we're learning as we go in this social distancing and this uh, doing interviews virtually here. So we did have 15 minutes of this interview recorded previous or not recorded previously. So we did conduct an interview, but it was just myself and Ben talking. So we did not uh, record that interview, but we're going to start over it was, here it was and we're going to go from there. Solid 15 minutes too. It was a good 15 minutes. I'm sorry y'all missed out. Really. It was a good 15 minutes, but now, you know, you rehearsed. That was just a rehearsal and now you can just go from here. Uh, ben, you have, seven children at home and I know you know this is new territory for everyone but can you kind of just take me through real quickly again your day-to-day life right now yeah well our day-to-day is um it's interesting but it's not it's not anything too new you know it's kind of what our weekends have looked like when we've had all the kids at home but uh, I'll start from today so you know today we actually worked out this morning my wife and I at six in the morning because we figured we don't get it in before they wake up, we're not going to get it in at all. So we did that. And then by the time we get done around 7.30, the twins wake up, got to feed the twins. The rest of the kids wake up, got to feed the rest of them. And then it's off to the races for the rest of the day. Uh, We do try to build in, I think, um, some time just for a quiet rest reading time because being with the kids all day every day uh, can get intense. But it's also important that they – 
you know, sharpen themselves when it comes to reading and, you know, we're, we're going to incorporate some math and those sorts of things. So it's really a day-to-day -day process. I mean, some days up here in Boston, it's rainy. Some days it's cold. Uh, on the days that are nice, uh, during the month of March, we try to get outside. We went for a bike ride the other day around the neighborhood. And I never knew so many people lived in this neighborhood. It's like <laughs> all over the place getting out of their houses when the weather's nice because, number one, they're at home. They're not at work. And number two, um, you know, it, it's just a time, I think, for, for family. If anything, I think as we go through this process um, with this virus, um, families are going to grow closer together. Uh, and we're going to have to address some issues that maybe we've been hiding in our families, which can end up being a good thing. Now, Ben, take me through the age of your children, because I think you, your son Judah maybe had a birthday yesterday. So take me through all the ages of your kids right now. Yeah, so Judah just turned seven, but uh, Grace is 11. Uh, she turned 11 in January. So we have an 11-year-old, a 9-year-old girl. Uh, we have a eight, now seven, boys. And then we have a 4-year-old girl named Eden. Then the twins are... Uh, 10 months old, almost 11 months old. They'll be, they'll be one April 24th, identical twin boys. So girl, girl, boy, boy, girl, boy, boy. You've got your hands full, that is for sure. But then during this kind of unknown time, what has, has been your message to your kids? Because there's a lot of adults we don't know about what's going on in, with coronavirus and COVID-19. So what's kind of been your message to your kids and to your family? Well, um, you know, the, the first thing is just educating them and educating ourselves in the process. I read an article to them a little while ago at dinner um, that was just talking about what was this virus, where did it come from, how was it spread, uh, what's the mortality rate, a lot of questions that I had, but when they're asking me as parents, sometimes we feel like we have to know all the answers. And sometimes it's okay to say, I don't know. I don't know. I'm learning just like you all are. Let's read this together. Let's learn about this together. Uh, we don't have to have all the answers, especially when there's this sort of crisis going on. Uh, we do, however, have a responsibility to um, be honest with them, but also to let them know that, that we have their best interest at heart and that they can come to us with any of their fears, any of their anxieties. Um, you know, one of the things that, that we encourage them to do is to understand that this is bigger than what mommy and daddy are in control of. I think 2020, if it's taught us anything, it's taught us that uh, we are not in control of our own lives. We can't control viruses. We can't control our own breath. We can't control the stock market. We can't control the weather. We can't control any of those things that we think sometimes we do. Um, but we know the person who is in control of everything. And so mm -hmm. teaching them to cast their cares upon him, even in times when there is, is fear, which fear is natural, you know, when there's unknown, um, times when there is doubt, um, just to understand that, you know, while we can't control everything, the Lord can control everything. And he's actually knows what's going on when we don't. Um, and, and that provides a sense of comfort. It doesn't provide a sense of um, uh, health all the time. We make it sick. They make it sick. We don't know. Um, but it does let us know that things that are happening aren't um, unbeknownst to him. Um, and so, but part of that also is, is teaching them to, to, care about and intercede for other people. Um, there are thousands of people around the globe here in the United States that are suffering, whether they're sick, whether they have a family member who's sick, maybe um, they've lost a job, um, you know, they're working from home like you. Uh, <laughs> you know, th th this, this sort of thing affects a lot of different people in a lot of different ways. And so it's a great opportunity as parents to, to teach your kids to, to be mindful of what is happening to others around them. Um, 
really to look for ways to um, pray for other people, to help other people when you can, to, to spread kindness, to, to, to be considerate, to think about someone else's plight, to have empathy for someone else. I think all that starts in the home. And something like this is a great opportunity to teach our children about it. I think it's a teaching moment and it's a learning moment for all of us who need to maybe be a little bit more comfortable with the things that are out of our control. But speaking of the things that are out of our control, what's a, what's a trip to the grocery store been like for you with seven kiddos, you and your wife, you have babies. So other than toilet paper, maybe what's been the hardest thing to, to find at the grocery store these days? Well, toilet paper is definitely number one. Um, I remember when I heard about the shortage, I was like, seriously, toilet paper? And I go to the store, and yes, there was maybe two or three rolls left. So I had to come back the next wow. day and get some more. And when I'm walking out with all that toilet paper, it's not that I'm hoarding. I just actually have a need for this toilet paper. You have a whole fleet. You have a whole fleet. <laughs> a whole tribe that needs to have the butt wipe. So, you know, we got to get it. Um, but for us, you know, we they obviously aren't coming out of the house right now. Um, I'm not coming out a whole lot except when I need to go get food. I think um, just being proactive, st stocking up on different frozen items, um, meat, um, vegetables, that sort of thing. Um, other non-perishables has been important. Uh, I've made a concerted effort. I think we all have to kind of get a few more days worth of groceries than we need simply because we don't know how things are going to react. We don't know. Right. We don't know what the time is like. And, and the grocery stores up here in Boston, they've done fairly well with keeping the shelves somewhat stocked. But going to the grocery store, as, as you know and others know, I've never seen. It's almost like it's almost like a hurricane's coming. <laughs> it's almost yeah. like a natural disaster yeah. on its way. And uh, that's almost the reaction that it seems to be um, going. Bottled water is another thing that uh, there's a scarcity of. So, um, you know, I, I, think, I think also with the children, you know, communicating that to them is important as well. Um, and, and also I'll say that, you know, we've been tremendously blessed here in the United States to not have to deal with a lot of these types of issues um, mm -hmm. when it comes to food shortages. And not that we're anywhere near a famine or anything like that, but I think it's important to, to appreciate how much of the world lives. Um, and also, how much many people in the United States live when they, people that are below the poverty level, people that are, that experience a lot of hunger. Um, you know, again, kind of going back to the understanding that for some people, this is their normal, you know, going to a grocery store with only a few fresh fruits and vegetables and not no toilet paper or no water. Um, you know, we, we, um, we are tremendously blessed here. And, um, it's a shame that sometimes we have to realize it through these types of, of, um, these types of crises, but, but, you know, if that's what it takes just for us to get a little bit of gratitude, uh, I think that's an important thing internally, but also to pass on to our children. I think I experienced that gratitude, like you said, when I was in the grocery store and I've only lived in Louisiana for a few years now, but because I had that, that hurricane prep training, I knew the things to buy. I remember looking around and seeing one guy had an entire cart of diet Coke. And I was like, what are you possibly going to do with all of that Diet Coke? You need other things in your life. But uh, grateful is, is certainly a, a word that I've found myself being during this time. But Ben, I want to get into the football side of things. Uh, we're a, about a year or so removed from, or more than a year removed from your time with the Saints. But 
after that NFC championship game, the no call that no one in New Orleans has really gotten over, uh, you weren't able to play in that game because you were dealing with some appendicitis that you didn't have to have surgery on at the time, but um, you were dealing with in your own way. What was going through your mind when you, when you walked off that field after that NFC championship game? Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm st I don't think I ever get, will get over that. Um, you know, it's one thing to lose, and I don't want to bring this back for everybody, but it's one, it's one thing to lose. It's another thing <laughs> to lose in that fashion. And I've been a part of a lot of football, and that hurt in a, in a way that I had never felt before. Um, and I also hurt for the, for the fans because I know a bunch of – I knew a, a lot of Saints fans before I moved to New Orleans, but even being there, knowing more people in the community, I know that Atlanta was about to be overrun by Saints. Yes, I, indeed. I wanted, I yes, wanted indeed. that so badly. Like, I wanted to see that so badly because the city deserved it so much. Um, and so it was all of that personally, as well as, you know, you mentioned appendicitis. And, you know, again, I was in, I was in um, Toro. I was in Toro Hospital. And, um, you know, I, I remember having that pain and, and the doctor said, you got to have surgery. I'm like, no way. Is there another way? Because I got this game to play and they looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> Uh, and then we found a way to avoid it with the antibiotics and I came back and, you know, I think I told you all, but I was medically clear, but, you know, sometimes the game plan moves on without you. And it was a really tough conversation between me and Coach Payton, a really tough conversation about, um, I, I felt like I could play. I was medically cleared to play. He decided not to play me, to play somebody else. And that was his decision as the head coach. And I, you know, supported them. I said, you know, I'm going to be there and support the guys. That's your decision. It hurts. I'm upset about it, but that's your decision if you want to go that route. So all that rolled into one. Um, it was very emotional. And I already felt like that was going to be my last game. Um, and I felt that way for several months until, you know, around May or so when I decided to play. Sorry about that. Um, okay. Until May or so when I decided to, to, to play again. And, um, you know, going back and looking at it, um, it's never going to go away. The pain's not going to go away. Uh, but a year removed, you see how life goes on. Um, life goes on. Play, you know, keeps going on. And the team had a tremendous season this year. I thought they were going to be in it again. Um, I know Saints fans, you know, are heartbroken, broken again. And unfortunately, that's how this game goes. It's like you can't get out of this game without some sort of heartache, unfortunately. Yeah, and sometimes all it, it come to, comes down to is that one play. Uh, but you spend this past – you came out of what you thought was going to be retirement um, after your time with the Saints, go to the Patriots, and then just this past week you announced your retirement uh, from the NFL. What, what went into that this time, and what do you think is going to make it stick this time more than last time? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, well, <laughs> I can't I – can't. Tell my wife I'm retired too many more times. So <laughs> <laughs> this is the last straw. You're gonna fake me out one more time. She's not, she's not having it. You know, she's been ready for me to be done since year five, and I've kept this thing mm -hmm. going for another eleven years. Um, you know, I, I love the game. Um, you know, I, I love I love being with you know my teammates, and you know, I look back at my time with the Saints, and and really. One of my proudest accomplishments was, you know, being elected a captain of, of that team um, in 2015. And that was, that was just amazing. I mean, you know, that was a feeling like I had never really had before. And, and, and those types of feelings with, with the other guys, um, you know, representing a city, 
uh, trying trying to do your best and to do that honorably and and putting down roots wherever you go and those sorts of, of fun times and you know catching to all those all those things are, are, are fun and I would do it forever um, but at the same time uh, this really is a game that is meant to be played by men whose bodies can do it <laughs> and as much as I want to sometimes you realize over time that you know the the constant training and the kind of the injuries all those things add up and you get older um everybody's not drew Brees and tom brady those guys are freaks uh so so <laughs> part, of it, part of it is the physical grind um and the injuries that i sustained over the last three years that have, that have really taken a lot out of me um you know part of it is the feeling that you know what at this point in my life um you know I, we want to find where home home is going to be and kind of put down some roots long term and and have some sort of some sort of stability uh, instead of moving around kind of from place to place uh, with football. So there's that intersection as well, um, you know. And then also just wanting to pour myself more into whatever that next um, occupation is going to be, um, which I don't really know 100% what it's going to be. Um, but having the feeling that that is is time to move on and and do that. So. Um, those are the reasons, you know, why I knew that, that, that it was time this time. Um, in my heart of hearts, can I say that I don't want to play football anymore? No, of course not. You know, if I go outside and throw football with my son, I love it. You know, it's just something that's been in me for a very long time. Uh, but as a, in, in, throughout the maturation process and because of a bunch of different things, um, I feel like, you know, it's time to start doing something else. Um, but I always, I think, be connected to the game in some way uh, because – uh, not just because of the game, but because of the relationships that I've had in it. Maybe get some of that Tony Romo money. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, isn't it? Hey, if I could, <laughs> maybe, maybe, who knows? Who knows? Um, but that, that really is incredible, though, you know, that, that type of a contract. But even then, if you would talk to Tony, and I don't know Tony, so I may be way out of line when I say this, you know, that money is great. Uh, but there's something special about this time in our lives when we could actually go out there and play. Um, you know, and then you move on and it becomes special in a, in a different way. But, you know, life is about chapters. Kind of going back to what we talked about in the very beginning, talking about this virus. Um, there are different seasons of life um, as, as, we, as we go through it. And um, they all have their ups and their downs. They all have uh, the things that, that uh, you know, draw you and, and excite you. Um, and it's the same, you know, it's the same thing with this virus, you know, we'll turn the page eventually. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a month from now, two months from now, and it'll be a new chapter um, in American history. Ben, before I let you go, I know you got to get back to your wife and all your kiddos, but um, last question before I let you go, this transition to life outside of football, mentally, you've said that you don't know what's next, but mentally, how do you prepare for life outside of football where it's not routine every single day of okay I'm going to go to the facility from this time to this time I'm going to you know get a massage I'm going to rehab from this time to this time how do you mentally prepare for life after football um that, that, that's a great question and it's something that um honestly uh you know as I've gotten later in my career you know the last five years or so uh, you start to think about more and more and and it is a little scary to think about what it's going to be because you I've done this for so long um, in talking to guys who have transitioned, I think you hit the nail on the head where you talk about having some sort of schedule and routine. Um, people in general thrive off of routine. 
whether yeah. you are a journalist or broadcaster, whether you are um, a stay-at-home mom or dad, uh, whether you're a child going to school, whether you're a professional athlete, people thrive off of having some sort of routine. So um, part of the routine that we're establishing, like I said, this morning, you know, a few days a week, my wife and I will try to try to get up and work out together. You know, we try to do this with the kids or we try to go here. We try to um, have some sort of normalcy to our lives. And, and right now it's a little mixed up with everything going on. Uh, but the hope is that pretty soon, you know, we'll figure out what that thing is going to be for me. And, um, and I'll get back to having a routine, but um, that's definitely uh, one of the things that I've been told from guys who have already transitioned or transitioning that, you know, finding a routine is, is, is the best thing to do as soon as you can. Well, Ben, I appreciate your time. Sorry that the beginning of this didn't get recorded, uh, but we appreciate your time and stay healthy, stay safe during these times. Thanks. I appreciate it. Take care. Who that? All right. Thanks everyone for joining us on the show today. We'll have another show for you on Wednesday of next week as we continue the New Orleans Saints podcast, hopefully keeping you all entertained. That was a great interview with Benjamin Watson as he uh, shares life as a father of seven and everything that he's going through with uh, keeping a family afloat during this time. So, uh, We will, again, be back on Wednesday with another edition of the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek, so you don't want to miss that. And, of course, follow at Saints on social media, download the Saints app, and check out NewOrleansSaints.com for all of the updates and free agency and everything you need to know involving the New Orleans Saints. All right, I'm Caroline Gonzalez. Thanks for joining me on today's show.